Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Khalid Yatim. Khalid, thank you so much for being with us. Jeffrey, delighted to uh, be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So why don't you kick it off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Yeah, my name is Khalid. I live in Los Angeles. Uh, originally grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I kind of got originally into real estate since it's, this is a real estate podcast. My parents are, my dad's an engineer. My mom's an academic. From a very, very early age, I loved real estate. I was always the guy that was going into open houses or, you know, this seven year old kid that, you know, loved to tour construction sites. Um, I got my real estate license right out of high school. I became the youngest broker of California at age 20. Really have just loved, loved the business ever since. Pretty much predominantly have worked across California, mostly lived in California and uh, currently in LA. Awesome. Yeah. Great synopsis. And I love how you talked about how you got into real estate. That was going to be my second question if you didn't dive right into it. So that's a great story that you got into it right after high school. I almost had the exact same story, but I chose to do Cutco sales instead of real estate sales at 18, <laughs> which uh, took me on an amazing journey and, and learned a lot from that. And then I ended up circling back and I was an investor through my 20s marketing agency. And now I actually do have my license uh, in my real estate license. I got it last year and uh, I'm doing commercial. But yeah, just I like was so close. I literally took the classes and I almost was going to take the test and it was so close to having a similar story. So that's awesome that you dove in right after high school and got started early. So nowadays, I'm, I'm curious what the transaction volume of you and your team, uh, you know, where are you at today? And then I have some follow-up questions so that you can help those that are trying to get to that level. Yeah. You know, I've sold across my career, you know, I've sold about $500 million in real estate, was a top producer from a very early age. What we've been doing at our company now are, are, is we've been building a software platform to help real estate agents deliver an ultimate client experience, streamline their business, streamline the client experience to boost volume. And so they can, they can have more time to deliver you know, those personal touch points um, and that kind of extra level of service. 
in the last you know year we went through a you know we started building software a couple of years ago uh, in the last year we've done something around 50 million dollars in, in volume in our beta and uh, I think we're gonna have a, a really terrific uh, terrific 2022 you know we'll, we'll definitely be well into the six figures uh, I'm sorry the nine figures in uh, in sales volume that's amazing yeah and, and I definitely am curious about that so you mentioned software that streamlines the client experience right so you took your experience of you know 500 million plus in in volume and all those transactions that that led to that and then you you created this like very linear buyer journey with all the support and this very linear seller journey with all the support is that am i like understanding software properly yeah the way that you know i fundamentally believe that real estate is a human to human experience first and foremost and as as an agent and a broker i know very much the value of a real estate agent and i think one of the key you know one of the key drivers that makes real estate agents so invaluable to to a transaction is that they give people the confidence and the assurity to say yes and to take that next step and when we started thinking about the real estate transaction itself, it was literally looking at what do people do better than humans? Or what do people do better than technology? And what does technology do better than people? And, you know, so we started thinking about it. We're like, at the core, you know, we want the human to lead the experience. But there are so many things, you know, in a real estate transaction, you know, there's, tremendous amount of paper volume that's that's you know coming to the transaction over the you know past 20 years you know you don't need to write your name a hundred different times you know on a hundred different pieces of paper so we looked at best practices of software companies and we said okay let's ask the sellers all of the legal compliance and all the regulatory questions that they need to answer in a format that they can do on their phone right or a format that they can do uh, you know at their computer that they're used to and let's automate that you know, let's create a digital negotiation process so you know we can create more activity for for homes rather than having you know a paper embargo where where you know you've got to take two hours to prepare an offer. We looked at all of these different things and really tried to build an end-to-end experience led by an agent where there are dashboards and interfaces for both seller and for buyer. And it's complex, complex software, but the complex software produces that easeful experience for agents so they can do their job well, so they can really step into being that salesperson that they're really quite good at. I think it's a travesty that so many talented, charismatic salespeople, real estate salespeople are the some of the best salespeople in the world. I mean, you, you know, coming from Cutco, I mean, that's you know that you're probably you know top one percent of salespeople. If you can sell knives, I mean that's that's a big deal. You know that's 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 hard. And you know you look at real estate agents, and you know they're terrific salespeople. And let's get them focused on selling, not being glorified legal aids. Um, and that's really what we're we're focused on doing. Nice. Yeah, I love that. Really letting software and technology play to its strengths, and letting humans play to their strengths exactly right yeah that's awesome and what is that like for you going through a career of being inundated by papers a real estate professional and now 
actively building a solution to help other agents that are encumbered by this this crazy paper heavy lengthy transaction you know jeffrey i actually you know my journey is going from a you know real estate agent at 18 to you know a founder at 35 i have over the last couple of years of building i've loved almost every minute of building this company i mean there's been a tremendous amount of pain and challenge and uh, you know, being a founder and and you know trying to to kind of break out of your shell and grow into that role, and so I can't by any means say it's been you know easy every day. But the work and building the product has been honestly one of my favorite things. I mean, you can you I'll get up on a Saturday morning just to jump on and figure out what questions need to be mapped to you know what report, and you know we go through we built software so across 2,700 zip codes in California we know exactly who pays for what and how much. That was a joy for me to work on, and what and what I really enjoy the most is when our agents you know go through a transaction and the paperwork is all automated once the onboarding is done, and to see that in in the wild and be able to see somebody take that and deliver it to you know a buyer's agent without having to do it without this sounding too sales pitchy I, I i really love it it's it's my favorite thing it's like it's like seeing my kid go to college or something like that it's 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 that accomplishment of helping somebody else yep absolutely it is a fantastic feeling to bring something to market and watch it work and watch it improve someone else's life and then be able to create a case study like one of the toughest things for me owning a digital marketing agency in the real estate space is actually just stopping and looking at results and, and case studies and looking and, you know, having my team and I kind of put things together based on tracking because tracking with digital marketing is difficult when it comes to real estate transaction. You know, sometimes the wife fills out the lead form, but the husband is the one on the loan and it's tough to reconcile every single transaction from it. But when you point out, for example, like a 12 time return on ad spend, you know, that was like one of our case studies. And it's just like, man, that was a game changer for that agent in that market. And you know, that they're still with us to this day. And, and so when you, when you stop and you see it in the wild or you reflect, it's, it's powerful. So I could definitely relate with that. Um, yeah. One thing I mean, that, oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, you know, I think the power of marketing is, you know, something that I think is sometimes not as well understood by real estate agents, especially earlier in the career. If you look at the difference between agents that market versus not, there's, it's really, when you start investing in marketing and awareness and building that, it's, you really start to develop an asset. You really start developing a really well-oiled machine around your business. So it's a really important thing to, to lean into as an agent, I think. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And there are ways to market and get results now. And then there's also that residual benefit of the brand awareness. And if you're, you're going to stick with it for a long period of time, you know, that's all just adding value, adding people to the database. A lot of my top clients are like, just, it's all about the database, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if you take one agent who's doing no types of marketing and is relying on that 2,000 or 3,000 people from their cell phone that they came in as a new agent with, as opposed to a different agent that's just spending just, you know, a consistent amount per month on, you know, mailers and Facebook ads and Google and just, just little things. And his database is slowly growing over time. In 10 years, who do you think is going to be the more successful agent, right? Mm. Like the person that has 
five or six or more times the people in their database. So uh, yeah, it's super powerful over time. Um, what I was going to ask you was your entrepreneur habit that you attribute the most success to. And the reason I asked that is because this podcast really is, is a podcast designed to distill down the action items for success from top real estate professionals. So I'm curious, you know, is there a, a single habit from your real estate career that also then has been a, a staple of your success? Now, being a founder of a software company, is there, is there a common thread there? Yeah. I mean, I think that whether you are building a real estate career as a, you know, as a salesperson and a solopreneur, or whether you're building a software company, you know, it's a lot of the the core elements of success are very, very similar, right? So it's like, I think for, I think drive is, you know, one of the very, very key importance, that intrinsic burning desire to wake up in the morning and work on your craft, whatever that is. I'm very lucky in that I, I do very much love what I do. I, and I love both hemispheres of it. I love the software side and I love the real estate side. Um, and so I feel very blessed. And when you enjoy the work that you do, I think that your output is orders of magnitude greater. So it's like really leaning into what you love about your work. Not to say that it's always going to be you know roses and you know you can just work on the things that you love. Um, but I think you know loving what you do is super important. I think that chunking is a really important thing. You know, eating the whole elephant is, you know, never going to, it's just so overwhelming, right? But if you break things down into, okay, I want to achieve 30 deals this year. Okay. Well, how I'm going to have to talk to, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, I go on this many listing appointments or work with this many numbers of buyers and I'm going to have to have this level of awareness and really just kind of like, Starting with your goal and working from the you know the bottom and steps, I think is another important thing. And the last part that I'll that the kind of step three is um, the value of working with a coach. My mm. co-founder Tim and I we work with uh, we work with an executive coach that helps guide us and lead us and you know keep us accountable for our goals. And we're at the top of the organization, but it's nice to have even some accountability on you know above us. You know we have a board, of course, but just somebody that we work with you know, on a regular basis is tremendously important. Wow. Couldn't agree more. And your concept of drive being one of the most important aspects or the, you know, most important uh, reasons why you've been successful. I think it does have a lot to do with it. I mean, you just kind of can't teach ambition or drive. Like there's that hunger that you know you could teach tactical skills and you can teach negotiation skills or selling skills but you can't teach drive you know so yeah that's that's definitely a, a major major part and for me man i remember being a kid being you know like 10 years old and like both my parents were entrepreneurs and uh, so I grew up in a, in a bit of a different world than, than a lot of people that had their parents going to nine to fives. You know, I saw my, my, both my mom and my dad, you know, to a degree, like loving what they did and, and working a lot. And I would work, help them with the family business as a kid. And, uh, you know, they give me like five bucks here and there to just go do little like menial tasks. But being a part of that really shaped me. And it was interesting to see how then once I got into business, I had this just hunger to do my own thing because like I didn't 
ever really find an employee position that that fit and that suited me and it was because my ambition was so great i remember uh, i remember sitting in an interview and and uh i was like third third interview down like getting to the executive teams of this corporation and they're like what are your goals within the next 10 years and i said i'll make a million dollars in a single year before i'm 30. and they were like well you're not going to do that here so (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great I didn't get the job uh, and, and uh, probably for the better, you know, and, and so I, that drive, there's just, there's something to that. So thanks. No, for I, you know, you know, it's so interesting that you say that because I was out of, I went to the university of Southern California Marshall school of business for my um, undergrad. And I really wanted to get the taste of corporate life. So I went to work uh, for a large bulge bracket investment bank and, um, you know, I really realized there that, man, I'm really not cut out for this corporate world. Right. And I, and, you know, I remember, you know, I had applied to a bunch of jobs and I'm like, there's just like, God doesn't want me to have a job. Like, you know, it's like, there's like, it doesn't, there's the, the corporate thing just wasn't aligning with me. It just, you know, when you kind of know that you're entrepreneurial and, you know, I think real estate agents understand this for firsthand, like that, going back to that drive, that burning desire, you know, you're, it's just a different wiring in your brain. And it's really hard to, I think, then fit that square peg into a round hole. And for me, where I've struggled is when I've tried to be somebody different than I am. You know, when I wanted to, you know, work in, you know, corporate mergers and acquisitions, it was really trying to be somebody I wasn't. But when I really started leaning into being an entrepreneur and, you know, being a founder, which I love so, so dearly, and the cells and the nerves in your body just wake up in such an interesting way where they never woke up that way when I, you know, went to the 60th floor of a, you know, tower in San Francisco. Yeah. And for some people that does it, but for you and I, it doesn't. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So I would be really interested to hear your take on the future of the real estate industry being on the forefront of automating the the paperwork aspect of the real estate transaction i mean you're obviously on the cutting edge of helping to innovate an industry that in a lot of cases is is relatively far behind um it's especially on the commercial side oh my gosh i mean there are light years behind the residential side and i feel like the residential side was pushed by COVID to do to implement certain things that caught them up. But real estate's an old industry. And, you know, I, I'm just I'm just curious. I don't want to like plant too many seeds and skew your answer, but what are your like five or ten year projections into the real estate transaction? Like will the real estate transaction be mostly automated by 2030? What what are your projections? Well I think that there's going to be a lot of automation inside of a real estate transaction where humans lead, where humans are continuing to lead that process. I have a few, you know, one of the things that we've seen is, you know, we have, we build negotiation software. So you can negotiate for a house right inside of our platform, you know, agent to agent. And what we're finding is that homes on our platform are selling for 4% more than their direct comp. And that's the benefit of technology, right? You are stimulating more interest for the property. You're generating more offers for the property. You're able to negotiate, you know, more efficiently. You're able to sell the home for more money. Anytime you see 
positive results like that, I think that the industry will continue to lean into you know technological avenues that produce better results and you know a seamless experience. You know where you know consumers are changing obviously tremendously post COVID. And I think, you know, uh, McKinsey, I think, uh, did a study that said that there was about seven years of technological acceleration in the world in the last, you know, 24 months of COVID. I mean, seven years, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, that's just a tremendous amount of advancement. And, and, um, I think that the real estate industry, we see it every single day with the folks that we're talking to and that understand there's there's something percolating in real estate and residential real estate right now and the industry is understanding that innovation is is happening now you know the other part of it is there's a lot of there's a lot of changes at the macro level right there's there's the department of justice that is you know investigating real estate commissions there's you know five class action lawsuits that you know looking at the same thing realogy just you know Ryan Gorman at realogy just came out and said you know, buyer's agent's role is going to change. And what we look at is is saying we need to keep people in this process for all of the important reasons that I've mentioned earlier, but we need to enable them to be able to do more volume and do things more efficiently. And I think that that's what I see happening in the next five years. My 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 dream, Jeffrey, is I think you know there's a million homes for sale in America. Like there's only a million homes. Like that's not a lot of homes, right? And you really start looking at why, right? And buying and selling a home is the third most stressful event in a person's life, right behind death and death of a family member and divorce of a spouse. And it's a complicated, cumbersome process and I don't think that's spurring anybody on to do take on that process more often, right? And so what we what I look at is I'm like, let's create, let's increase volume, let's increase velocity, let's get real estate agents doing, you know, 50 deals or 100 deals a year versus, you know, 10 or or 15 or 20. And I think the way that we do that is by creating a frictionless experience and being able to encourage, you know, your your neighbor or somebody in your community to say, hey, you can buy the home up the street after two years, no problem. Like we can create and and facilitate movement in inside of markets. Um, and I think that that is going to be a big boon for the industry once we unlock this real estate transaction and make it a lot more efficient and seamless for folks. And I think by doing that, I think it's going to be the best thing that could happen to a seasoned real estate professional. And I think it's one of the best things that can happen for consumers. And I think that you're going to see platforms facilitate that, you know, over the course of, you know, the next 10 years. I think that's a phenomenal projection. And to your point of humans still being involved, despite potential commission compression, technology has really helped the friction of the real estate process be reduced. And like you said, the goal of being frictionless and being able to Zoom meet automated transaction contracts, you know, have buyers, for example, doing a lot more research and not needing to go see 50 houses because they already know that they're pre-qualified, they can afford this one. And the appointment is, is at this time and it auto goes to your calendar and you just meet them there. Like 
the concept of the real estate transaction today is ev really evolving. And I, uh, I, I am very intrigued to see what it looks like in, in the next five or 10 years. So I think those are some great predictions. And, you know, moving on to really like what shaped you to be the person that you are today. It's easy to listen to this podcast and just be like, oh man, you know, here's Khalid, like right out of high school, real estate professional, killed it. Now he's founder of a software company, obviously doing super well. I mean, nine figures in sales, right? It's easy to say, you know, it seemed like it was easy or, or like there was no hurdle or no struggle along that journey. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that there were, right? So I'm, I'm curious if you have like a favorite failure of yours, something that really shaped you and set you up for future success. Do you have anything that comes to mind when I ask that question? You know, I, um, I've had a lot of failures. I probably had so many failures that I can't even stand one up as, you know, as, as a solo outlier. There's a lot of things that I would have liked to have tried to be, right? An investment banker. I really was like, I'm going to be an investment banker. I'm going to be a managing director for Goldman Sachs. I failed miserably at the attempt to do that. You know, for me, I've never, you know, I've never been the best athlete. I've never been, you know, this super, super top salesperson. You know, I've never, you know, I, I even volleyball, right? I've played volleyball and it's like, okay, well, I'm always like the worst. And then I become the most improved. And I think that for everything that I've done, failure is oftentimes just the early stages, right? It's, it's sometimes it's, a, you know, even an origin point and you work through it. Right, you work through the challenge. You break up that. What is failure? You know, it's often just a a big, you know, colossal group of problems that kind of mold together, and then it's like you can't really break it up anymore. But if you can really start solving problems and not eat up, eat that whole elephant, I think is a really good way to, um, you know, to avoid unnecessary failure. But I believe in. I think more than I believe in failure. I believe in growth. I look to my team to provide feedback of ways that I can get better um, to do to you know continuously improve in anything that I'm doing. And I really lean into anything that life presents because I think that there's a journey here. And I'm fortunate to have a story that I am proud of, but it's not without its it's not without its pains, you know, especially, you know, as a founder, it's like, I've had many sleepless nights. Um, you know, I have a team that I support and a team that supports me. And, you know, we lean into the struggle together, but we come out better than we, we went into it. So true. School teaches us that, you know, if, if you spell cat, K-A-T, you're wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> Zero out of 10, Right. But some would argue that that's actually a better spelling. In fact, the phonetic dictionary definition shows right there, K-A-T. And so it's really interesting, this society that we're brought up in, that failure is so stigmatized as a negative, when in fact, it's molding and shaping you into what you then later will become. You'll be able to then get through a, a later storm or help someone else through their storm because you got through one today or one 10 years ago. So yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to to just reflect back on that and be like, man, you know what? Even though a lot of times 
when you're going through things like that, they're difficult or they're traumatic. You look back and those are the stories you tell. And those are the, the things you laugh about with friends about the trips. It's not when everything's just going easy. It's when something ridiculous happens and you got to figure it out and <laughs> make it happen. So, yeah. You know, I was talking, I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, uh, we were having coffee earlier today and, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about, uh, someone and, and, uh, you know, in just the, the journey of, you know, a young adult, right. You know, 19 years old and, you know, kind of on their own path and how is that, you know, what society would dictate with him being off course. And I'm like, he's not off course. He's exactly on the right path. And if the world doesn't value his, him going off trail, that's, you know, that's their own judgment. Right. But I believe that what he'll learn from the next you know, 18 to 24, 36 months, you know, and, you know, we go through seasons in life. Right. And I think that he's going to find his way, just like we all find our way. I'm, I'm an optimist, right? I believe that things work out. I believe that, you know, we're all, you know, destined to, you know, to do something special and, but the road is not easy, but, you know, there's been many a philosopher that, you know, for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years that have talked about, you know, the, 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 the life and the, the soul's journey. And, and it, it is those, those dark points or those valleys that really do shape, uh, shape and inform, you know, inform us and, uh, and really make those wins and make the best days all the more exciting to relish. Absolutely. And just to wrap this thought up, I mean, if you think of any story, any compelling story, most stories, in fact, in Hollywood and in novels follow what's called the hero's journey. And it's a very, very famous, well-known concept that you can easily Google and it'll come up with the, whoever came up with this, I forgot his name right now, but Jeffrey Campbell. hero's journey. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, the, the hero's journey, it starts with the hero in peace and then some impending calamity or change occurs and and throws him off his path or her path. And then they have to go on a journey to then kind of bring things back to the state of peace. But in that journey, there's a plot, there's characters, there's drama that unfolds. And, and then at the end, there's resolution, right? And, and at, when that resolution comes at the end, it's satisfying because of the uncertainty of that journey. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really interesting when you kind of break down the philosophical side. But if you zoom out from your life, that's what's happening all the time. That's right. Yeah. And I would tell, I would tell you know, I don't have any kids yet, but you know, I would tell my my little niece and little nephew, like, or or any young person, like, going back to the concept of failure. Did you learn and did you grow? And if you mm. can answer affirmatively to those two things, I don't care what happened; it wasn't a failure. Right? right. As long as you learned and as long as you grew from it, it doesn't matter. I don't care if your business failed. I don't care if, you know, a relationship went, you know, downhill, whether you're responsible or culpable. Did you learn? Did you grow? You can't go wrong. Yep. That's just, we're a bunch of spiritual beings having a human experience, right? That's exactly right. So are you still in production? Are you still selling homes? Um, I do. I sell fewer now. It's funny. I, I was uh, thinking about it the other day. I was like, "Man, I really want to, really want to sell some houses so I can <laughs> use my own software." Um, <laughs> and uh, I get to see the agents do it, and I'm like, "Well, I, I want to do that. That sounds fun." 
you know, probably some 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 deal flow coming up. But uh, you know, I, I'm much more I'm much more excited to see you know folks on our team succeed. You know, to one of our agents doubled their production volume. You know, using the software and uh, just create create better experiences and create more features and functionality that we can expand into to more you know more dimensions of real estate. So, but I'm sure there'll be a opportunity for me to dabble in it myself soon. Yeah, I know absolutely. So yeah, you you really are focused on on the software nowadays. Uh, I was I was going to start asking some questions about you know kind of bring it back to real estate and talk about like referral versus lead gen and like sure you know, you know, stuff like that. So you are uh, comfortable going still fielding those questions? Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. So for your team nowadays, you know what's the the ratio from like a referral or a um, sphere type of transaction? as opposed to a new business transaction from some kind of lead generation source? What's the percentage or the ratio? You know, I think I'm going to talk about it in terms of value. So okay. if you if you look at something called like, there's a, there's a term that, you know, we look at a lot called acquisition costs, like customer acquisition yeah, costs. Absolutely. And if you really start looking at it, what is the, you know, you want low customer acquisition costs, right? You don't want to spend to have to spend all of your revenue to, to acquire the customer. What is the lowest form of acquisition? It's virality. What is virality? It's word of mouth. What is word of mouth? It's referrals. And, you know, for a long time, you know, I thought, you know, referrals is something that, you know, you hear about in real estate, right? Like that's a common term. It's the same thing at Uber, right? If people are talking about Uber, or they are talking about, you know, some new app, or they're talking about West Elm or whatever the case may be, that's a referral, right? They might use the word virality or something like that, but it really does come down to that. And that is the still the the best, the lowest cost, the most efficient, the most effective, the greatest form of uh, lead generation and conversion, I think in the world. And I, I think any business executive that's much more seasoned, I think that they would agree with that. People are talking about their business way more. It's a better, it's the most effective way for them to, to drive more customers for their business. You know, when you look at lead gen soft, you know, I look at, um, I spend a lot of time thinking about partnerships, right? So whether it's a Zillow Flex or whether it's a Redfin partner program, I actually think those two programs specifically are quite transformational in the industry. You know, leads are, you know, it's not just a lead, right? Now it's a highly qualified lead. And that's why Zillow is saying, okay, we are not just going to, you know, pay for this lead in terms of hundreds of dollars. We now want, you know, we want a, a piece of the action, right? You yeah, know, we want 30% upwards, on the close. 30%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is a really, I think leaning into those partnerships are really great. Um, and a really, really great way to make your business quite efficient and build virality from there, right? If you, if the cost of that to you is 30%, but you're then generating terrific referrals because you're delivering unparalleled service and you're delivering a, a, a streamlined, confident experience for that client, well, then you're generating, you know, 100% on any referral deal. And so I think that, that that's the next best uh, source of, uh, you know, lead gen. And then I think that there's other top of funnel you know, top of funnel, you know, platforms, whether it be, you know, a Ylopo or or whatnot that, you know, helps kind of stimulate, you know, helps stimulate top of funnel activity. I think that those are great too. You know, if I was, 
I think it's going back to what you were talking about a database, right? It's a matter of like making sure that your database is, is full and making sure that the experience that you're delivering is always, you know, is always on point. You go into, you go into a four seasons, it's always a pretty darn good experience, right? You know, and it's like, if you are always delivering that experience, you are bound to have more plentiful leads and, and just really drive and amplify your business forward for years to come. Good point on virality. I have studied that to a, a, a fair degree. I've read the book Contagious. I uh, read the book, you know, One Million Followers mm. uh, from Brendan, Brendan Kane and, and uh, have really just studied that, that concept of like, if customers are sharing your business, that is essentially the largest vote of confidence that they could give. And, uh, you know, even going down to the point of like retargeting based on engagement and, and specifically saves or shares, you know, that's just when people do that, it's, it's like they're identifying with your company and saying that like putting their stamp of approval on it. Right. Um, super powerful, super powerful. And you mentioned top of funnel, you know, why Lopo, the concepts like that, or companies like that. I, so I'm actually a digital marketing strategist for Why Lopo. Mm. In addition, in addition to having my own real estate marketing agency, they, they kind of recruited me. They saw what I was doing, and they're like, "Hey, you know, I met them at a conference. That they needed some help with uh, social media ad innovation, and um, I've been working with them since last year. It's been an awesome journey. Great team over there, and they do a great job at scale." And my agency does a great job at customization. So they, they kind of realized that like when we get a top broker that wants to do this custom campaign and wants us, wants us to like custom copyright, all this stuff, like why Lopo even says like, we don't really do that. You know, we, we focus on like, we know it works. We're, we're going to launch it for you. It's going to generate top of funnel leads. Like this is what we're going to do. And Hey, huge credit to like all the technology and all the things that they have built out. Like I get to see the back end of all their ad tech. It's amazing. But nothing can replace a good old fashioned one-on-one -on -one conversation with a client and professionally copywriting a new TV commercial or a, a new YouTube video script or, you know, like that personal touch is really what my agency offers. It's different. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's interesting that there's a need for both. It's yes and it's not this or that, right? And, and you can focus on having an incredible referral system in place, wowing and delighting your customers so that they are sharing and filling the funnel with top funnel leads from both YLOPO and my agency. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's yes. And like there's ROI from all of it. So right. I, I really just believe in abundance and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned them because yeah, amongst the like digital marketing companies in the real estate space, there are a lot that are so-called gurus that don't deliver. And uh, I can say I'm biased, but YLOPO and Steezy Digital are ones that actually do deliver results. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm fortunate because, you know, my co founder, Tim, um, he was a founder of a company called Strike Social, and they, you know, they optimize media performance for, you know, Coca Cola, Nike, Netflix, and Disney. So, we kind of have our own marketing team, you know, and marketing amplification 
platform in house, you know, through, you know, through his previous company. And it's, um, it does, it is yes. And right. Like it's, you know, brand awareness is really important, you know, and, and like, you know, all the touch points along the way, but, you know, you mentioned something really important and that's, you know, what are we good at? Right. And it's knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. I'm actually not the best marketer, right? Tim Mm. would out market me, you know, a hundred to one. I would out domain expertise him a hundred to one, but together, you know, we can, you know, we're 10,000. Um, and I think that that's right. a really good point of, you know, really understanding and, and specializing in what you're good at. Um, and that's really a lot of what we found with our platform is like, what are real estate agents good at? And like, let's try and amplify that and let's try and minimize, you know, the parts of the business that, you know, a little bit more kind of have just, just not as aligned with what they're super, super great at. And I think that in any part of the world, there's the best organizations have all types of people that are so specialized and nuanced in what they do. And that's what makes the apples and the, you know, the Facebooks of the world. It takes, takes skill and talent in a whole mosaic to bring that image together. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And that's why even though I have my real estate license, I choose to be a marketing agent and then you, you know, just take referrals because I didn't get my real estate license to now learn something new from scratch and become a master listing agent. I got my real estate license for various reasons. I plan to have it for the rest of my life, but my mastery is marketing and I, I choose to then stay in that lane. And it just allows strategic partnerships and opportunities that weren't previously available uh, because of RESPA compliance, right? Not taking fees if you're not a licensed agent, um, just certain things that kept coming up. And I was like, I'm just going to get this license, man. I've been marketing for five years. Like, I should just get my license. So, uh, to that point, like staying in my genius zone, right? And yeah, and I love then, that my genius zone. I'm going to use that. Yeah, and and then adding partners to fill in the gaps in in, in their genius zone and what they love to do um, to to get the transaction across the finish line. So, have loved this conversation. Is there a question that I should have asked you, or anything you'd like to expand upon from earlier? You know, I really loved our conversation. I'm so grateful to, um, you know, tell my story and and learn more about what you worked on, and you know, really just hear from people and what their experiences in life and business, and learn from them. And you know, hopefully, uh, you know, listeners hear something today that's that's valuable. And you know, it's just a it's my favorite thing is meeting new folks and and uh, being able to hear their stories and their journeys and been so grateful to be able to do that here with, with you today. Yep, likewise. So Khalid, Yatim, I really appreciate having you on. And you know, you are not only a real estate broker in Los Angeles, but also a software founder. You haven't even said the name of the software, by the way. Nile Technology. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> founder of Nile that I mean, I haven't even seen it yet. But based on your industry experience and the way you're describing it, I think it's going to be a household name in real estate. And uh, you got to let me know when that IPO comes out. Yeah, I definitely will. Look forward to uh, seeing you again well before that. Yes, absolutely. And I almost forgot, how can listeners contact you? Yeah, they can get in touch at uh, contact at nilehome.com. And uh, we have a really, really great team, you know, that's global. We sit in Los Angeles. Uh, we have a terrific team uh, 
out of Asia and Vietnam and New York and in Canada. And uh, look, we are we're a startup, and you know we are a early growing, you know, soulful brokerage that is using technology to deliver an unparalleled experience for agents and help them deliver that un- unparalleled experience for consumers and anybody that shares our vision for building and innovating the future of real estate, by all means, get in touch, find me. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. I want to learn from you. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.